one of the things about ATMS being a larger multimodality association is we've got the resources to be able to do these sort of things and yeah. not to have to rely on volunteers for everything, which is, yeah. you know, yeah. often difficult when you're in an industry, which is a lot of women who are working part-time and have mm. family and other commitments, you know, yeah. they're not always as available to, yeah. you know, write a submission or do yeah. something that needs doing for the industry. Hello and welcome. Mentoring with Geraldine is a bite-sized practitioner podcast for naturopaths, nutritionists, herbalists, and practitioners. This podcast responds directly to your needs, the needs of the practicing natural therapist. With interviews, herbal discussions, something business, and something clinical each week, you'll get the variety you need and enjoy to stay motivated in practice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mentoring with Geraldine and the Bite Size Podcast. And I've got Christine Pope, the treasurer of the ATMS, with us today. And Christine is going to talk to us a bit about the ATMS, what it does, why it's here. But first up, Christine, thank you so much for coming to join us. And can you tell us a bit about yourself and your practice before we start talking about the ATMS? Sure. And thanks for having me on the podcast too, Geraldine. Look, I'm a naturopath, nutritionist and homeopath. I've got a practice at Elemental Health at St. Ives. So that's about 20 kilometres north of the CBD in Sydney. I practice there a couple of days a week and I practice with a range of other practitioners. So I actually own the clinic with my business partner and she's an osteopath. So it's great because, you know, I've got massage therapists in there. I've got another naturopath. And if I ever need treatment, I've got someone there like our acupuncturist who can stick some needles in me or I can get a massage or whatever. So it's really nice being supported by that group. But Basically, I work in practice two days a week. I run the clinic and then I'm also, you know, working on behalf of ATMS as treasurer and as chair of the marketing committee. So I actually chair finance and audit and marketing. And that's my two roles at ATMS. So in your role as the treasurer, have, you know, how long have you been doing that? That must be a huge role. Do you have lots of staff at ATMS? How does it all work? Actually, there were staff at ATMS who were doing this role originally. And when I came in and took over, I wasn't really very happy with how it was running. Mm -hmm. It was very uh, much, you know, I think the... Uh, finance manager at the time was just filing everything manually. And we now have an outsourced bookkeeper who's fantastic and it's all on zero and everything's really visible to all the board. Yep. And we've, we've made it a lot more streamlined. So it actually involves a lot less work. It was a lot of work to get it set up, yep. but getting the right people to do that support, it's actually saved us a lot of money. Yeah. And it's given as much better visibility and reporting. So yeah. that was one of the big jobs I did in my first year as treasurer. Mainly now it's really just running the finance team. And when I say finance team, it's an outsourced bookkeeping function. Yeah. We do monthly reporting to the board. The board has full access to everything that's going on. And, you know, the day-to-day -day stuff is all just doing payments and things like that. Right. So, you know, if members could, you know, not pay us twice and then need a refund, that would cut down a little bit. <laughs> referring to me because I might actually have done that in the past. <laughs> no, no names. No but names. Look, the other big part of it is we do an annual, uh, we do a review of the strategic plan every three years. Mm -hmm. So we go through, we do a massive survey, we consult with members about what they want us to be doing. Yep. And that's a huge document. And one of the things we've learned from doing that process is do not leave all the fields as open text because consolidating 4,000 pieces of information turns out to be a lot of work yeah. and so then we kind of get our priority we have six priority areas and that's what we focus on and that's what we spend members money on right right that's amazing so yeah. what areas so what groups what modalities does ATMS cover 
it represents about 20 modalities. We don't have and to say them all. <laughs> so I sort of consolidate them in. We have three groups. This is what we use for Natural Medicine Week. Body work. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that can be aromatherapy, Bowen therapy, remedial massage, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Ingestive therapy. So basically anything you, you know, nutrition, yep. naturopathy, herbal medicine, and then Chinese medicine because sticking needles in people, <laughs> sorry, yes. you know, is a specific area and it, yeah. it kind of needs its own. Um, it does need its own umbrella. Yeah. 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 So we, we tend to look at it in those three areas. And then when yep. we're thinking about our CPE program, for example, we're making sure that we're running training across all those modalities or sorry, all those groups yep. may not necessarily have every modality covered because, you know, you might only have a dozen people in one modality yeah. Yeah. and you've got 2000 in another one. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to cover all of the bases, don't you? So, yeah. and some people, you know, certain things would cover them as well. You know, a massage oh. therapist could do a myotherapy thing and all the rest of it to get the points, couldn't they? Exactly. So it's all about what's in the training package. And so the scope of practice might cover yeah. things like craniosacral or lymphatic yeah. or that sort of thing. So you mm. can upgrade them in that way. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, I mean, it's like the, um, as a herbalist and naturopath and as an educator, of course, I get hundreds of hours every year. And I was actually <laughs> talking to Alexandra Middleton, who works as part of your education department. And she yep. was, and she was like, "I bet you're like me, where you have hundreds of hours at the end of the year, whereas some modalities don't." And I said, "Yeah, <laughs> I had two hundred. I know, and it's tricky. And we always have a general business section too, because there will be yeah. some areas you can't. And yeah. the other thing, we've changed a few of our policies, particularly through COVID, to really help members get their CPE. Yeah. So one of the things we've done is all the other associations' CPE we accredit automatically, mm -hmm. and also because we're very collaborative in that way. And yeah. so if someone is, you know, with the Kinesiology Association, they attend their conference, then they've got the CPE points. And all the major, I guess, suppliers who are running training, that's all accredited as well. So it's automatic mm -hmm. that they get one point for one hour. Yeah. We did have a policy of if we hadn't reviewed it, it was yeah. two points for one hour. Sorry, yeah. no, yeah. the other way. Half a point yeah. for one hour. Yes, yeah, sorry. I'm the treasurer, so I should be able to do math like that. Anyway... <laughs> But we've changed that now so that if they write a learning summary, it'll be one point per hour. So yeah. that, again, has made it a bit easier. Yeah. Because, you know, and we're also this year, we're live streaming our AGM and seminar days so that members can get six CPA points. And that yeah. cost for members is $75. Which is great. I mean, yeah. the live streaming events are actually very good. I um, went to the Integria one over the weekend. And, of course, you're, you know, I just sat there. And watched and it was great. You know, we had our yeah, well, breaks. I gave you some breaks because that's the other thing I've learned from watching live or doing a lot of Zoom meetings. Yeah. Um, you do need to make sure that you don't just have it straight to the hour because otherwise yeah. you never get a cup of tea. Yeah, you never get a cup of tea. There's got to be space in these things for a cup of tea. I've held several summits and the first one I made the mistake of not putting breaks and just assuming that people would be close to wherever they were or they'd take because you're on yeah. a computer. And so, you know, I actually on the day we're suddenly figuring in breaks so that people yeah. could go because someone texted me when's our first break and I said oh you know what oops so I'm like oh you know what we're gonna have a break in 10 minutes <laughs> I mean it was fine because I, I had actually factored in yeah 
in my head, I'd factored in those extra hours, but I hadn't factored them in on paper. So it was okay because it was that I was able to do it. But yeah, you've got to have those breaks when we're oh. um, online. And as oh. you and I were saying, sometimes you just turn off your screen and you do those stretches in the background. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a really good way of doing it. So um, with the ATMS, how do you find having so many modalities that you're able to support each modality? Do you have sort of leaders or a team that covers each modality when things are happening? Well, our CPE team, look, we tend to have six operating committees that back up the board. So, you know, the thing is, as a board member, you're not there for your modality, which would be hard for me because I've got three. So my head would be just split, you know, we're all there to represent the interests of members. So this year, we've done a huge amount of lobbying and advocacy around remedial massage and getting them back to work because that's Mm. been the difficult area with most of the states because obviously there's a big difference. I mean, you know, ingestives can migrate to telehealth, but a lot harder for body workers to, you know, they, they need the body in the room with them. Yeah. And so, you know, that's been a huge focus for us this year. Previously, and we've just submitted the tranche two of the entry preview. Mm-hmm. So one of the advanced, sorry. Tell us about that. Okay. So it's natural therapies reviews the expert mm-hmm. panel. Mm-hmm. And the good thing is this time we have a review of natural therapies, which involves people from the industry who actually understand our modalities. So that would be a nice change from the previous one. Yeah. And so we've put in two tranches. The first one went in in February and that was naturopathy, herbal medicine, and a number of other modalities. Mm-hmm. And this one in that's just gone in covers things like Bowen therapy, aromatherapy, reflexology. So in a sense, we're working for all the modalities we cover by compiling the research. Mm-hmm. And submitting it. So we put in probably 10 years of evidence, randomized control trials and meta-analysis, systematic analysis, whatever we could find that met the criteria cool. for each of the modalities we cover. Yep. So the first one, I mean, there was a massive amount on herbal medicine and nutrition yeah. that went in under herbal medicine and naturopathy in the first one. That was a combination of some of our directors doing some of the research. And then we also employed some expert researchers that Sandra Grace helped us source. Mm-hmm. One of our other directors because frankly we were limited in our access to research databases so we needed people who were had appropriate skills and they actually found a lot more than we would have had access to which was really good because you know what you want them to see is yes this is a weighty tome and as we know there is a lot of evidence but it's we wanted to make sure that they're aware of the volume of evidence that supported our modalities and get it back in natural therapies as soon as possible and i've had another bit of a win on that too because in terms of our lobbying and advocacy we're working with Sterling griff who put questions into senate estimates about the progress of the review because it had all been delayed by COVID. Yep. And he's putting some pressure on now because what I was concerned about was that we're being told that the review will be completed by December next year. That's oh. like, well, it was supposed to be completed this year. Yeah. But also the timing, the reports will be submitted August this year. But if it's not finalised by then, the private health insurance will do their submissions in November. So we want to get it ahead. Yeah. Yeah, you need to get it in ahead of them. Definitely. So we don't want it delayed for a further period. Anyway, look, I think the important thing is we've got those relationships with, we tend to have relationships with government across the spectrum because we're not party specific, we're policy specific. Yes, which is great. Which is really great. Because you don't want to be aligned with one party and then suddenly they're out of power. (laughs) No, you certainly don't want to have the American system happening. Oh, Oh, Lord. No. (laughs) 
I was going to say, I have been uncharitable towards some of our politicians from time to time, but now I'm just so, and look, everyone I've met with in Canberra, and we've been both sides of the house, has been really smart, switched on, you know, even if they didn't agree with me. Yeah, I, I could still see they understood what I was trying to ask for. Yes, quite. The yeah, very different political arena. Thank oh, absolutely. So one um, now, ATMS. They've just had the board elections. You can't tell us the results of that. We've all participated. I'd love to, but I can't. Yes, <laughs> we've all participated, and that was an entirely external event. You use an external counting system. It's all electronic. Yeah, correct. So one. Um, so I I voted. I'm being. Obviously, everything is about the voting in America, but we kept being reminded to vote. So it was very conveniently timed, I have to say, considering <laughs> all of the promotion everywhere to go and vote. Don't forget to vote. So I'm like, I can vote in OGMS. <laughs> I think it's really, because we're such a big organisation, it's really important to have that election run by someone external so that members can yeah. be confident that none of the issues that are appearing in the US elections are appearing in our elections. No, absolutely <laughs> not. How many members are there approximately? If you include all the across the spectrum of the membership categories we have probably over around nine ten thousand right. um, we're just going through the renewal phase at the moment so and this yeah. year obviously there have been a few challenges for members yes. we were able to pass on as treasurer wearing my treasurer's hat mm-hmm. I looked at what we got in terms of government support for because of you know job keeper and other things yeah. And we managed to organise to pass that on to members as a discount this year. So wow. we wow. discounted our membership fee by fifty dollars to two fifty for the year, uh, from two fifty down to two hundred. Yeah. So it was good that we could pass that on. Mm. But when you see my presentation next year at the AGM, please be aware that there is going to be a bit of a loss coming because <laughs> all the benefit fell in this financial year that's yeah. <laughs> just gone, and all the costs have gone into the next one. So yeah, yeah, that does. We decided that really the members were the ones who needed it Yeah, this year. Yeah, definitely. It's a very funny situation out there right now for everyone, mm. and we don't mean funny, ha-ha. It's just very different. You know, 2020 has led all of those challenges and the understanding, of course, that we have to future-proof ourselves and that we yeah. have to, you know, we have to be with the association so that they support us with government because nobody else is going to do it for us and we'll be sitting on the fringes unless we have our associations to lobby for us. Because some people are politically minded and don't mind going to Canberra and some of us would rather just stay at home and well, um, get on with our job. the first time I went there, but I've got used to it now. And I'm actually on another board, which is the Small Business Lobbying and Advocacy Board right. on behalf of HMS. Right. And that's great because I've got mentors there who are really experienced and they're very generous with their information. So that's called okay. the Council uh, Cosboa. Yep. Our yep. CEO, Peter Strong, is always on the news because he bounces around the media section of Parliament House a lot. So they often gets grabbed for interviews. Interviews. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I think, one of the things about ATMS being a larger multimodality association is we've got the resources to be able to do these sort of things and yeah. not to have to rely on volunteers for everything, which is, yeah. you know, yeah. often difficult when you're in an industry, which is a lot of women who are working part time and have mm. family and other commitments. You know, yeah. they're not always as available to, yeah. you know, write a submission or do yeah. something that needs doing for the industry. Yeah. 100%. The other thing that we're really, we've engaged with really, well this year is working collaboratively with the other major associations, particularly with getting remedial massage back to work. Mm -hmm. 
and there was a bit of a banner format or well, it was, you know, Associations Unite was, yeah. and that was good because we could, you know, each state had, uh, people had stronger relationships in that particular yeah. state where they were more better represented and we could use that mm-hmm. to work for all the associations. Which is great because that's what we need. We need to really nut down the associations and just really work towards the betterment of us as a profession but rather than us all being outliers. We need to Sorry. find where the, we need to work where the common ground is yes. and not worry about yes. the things we differentiate, you know, we differ yeah. on, you know. Yeah. At the end of the day, the external threats are much greater. Much greater. Mm. Much, much greater the external threats than the internal ones. And we have to have our differences. It's like our clients, isn't it? You know, some people will resonate with you and some people won't. So that means some associations will resonate with you and some won't. And that's just the way it is. And it's really great if we can actually get everybody working together that much better. I mean, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's about collaboration and creation. So one. Now, is there anything else that we need to talk about? with ATMS is there anything I've missed do you think I suppose the other thing is I'd just like to mention that you know we've got a really big campaign we run every year natural medicine week it's consumer Mm. focused so it's about getting bums in seats on clinic in clinics or on screens depending on how you're operating and that is open to all associations so and the members of those associations all we ask is that anyone's running an event be a member of a professional association last year we had one we had to pivot sorry it was this year I just feel like it was last year don't I we yeah. had to. Yeah, we had to pivot to digital in four weeks and it was a very compressed period of time. But actually we had more people doing virtual events than we've ever had doing face-to-face because people could have 100 people on a webinar. There was one lady in the Hills District who had 190 site, you know, on her gut health webinar. So, you know, really about educating the general public about the benefits of natural medicine and why they should see a practitioner. Yeah, 100%. That's what all of my podcasts are about. It's go and see a practitioner, go and see your local practitioner, go and find somebody who's going to be able to help you so um right well i guess my last question is the trick question that i ask everybody yes she's got the worried face on she's got the worried face on okay as a homeopath what is your favorite homeopathic I really don't know that anyone can have a favourite homeopathic. (laughs) The favourite homeopathic is the one that works for that case. But I suppose it's interesting. There was one I prescribed yesterday, which is a bit of a fan of mine, which is Cusinusinum. Can you tell us about that one? Just okay, give us a- so it's basically, it's often for people who've taken on responsibility at a very early age or they've had mm-hmm. a lot of control and uh, imposed upon them. It's actually, you know, one of the keynotes is fear of cancer. So if you think about oh. it, that suppression and adaption and disease is kind of a key thing. But the mm-hmm. I always say, you differentiate it, you say it's basically about people who like things to be ordered, but they like it to look beautiful. Right. So they'll put a lot of time and effort into creating a beautiful space. And mm-hmm. they like things ordered in their lives, but they can get very anxious. Often a lot of allergies in the picture. and But usually it's, I've got to say, it's the remedy I give to the nicest people. <laughs> it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. I mean, we everybody studies some homeopathy. Oh, we used to, I don't, I don't yeah. know what they do now. We used to study homeopathy, of course, as part of the training. But I just fell in love with herbs and sort of, you know, you do. You, you end up doing the thing that you align with. And for me, that was herbs. So and the homeopathics. Mine was, mine was the opposite originally because I literally could not stomach herbs. And I think probably. <laughs> That was, you know, was the major problem was compliance. So the homeopath yeah. resonated with me. <laughs> yeah. I, I did compliance. go on and finish the herbs eventually because so yeah. many of the nutritionals I used had herbs in them. Yes. And you really yeah. need to know what it is that's doing so that you yeah. know what else you can use for a homeopathic. 
Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I've, I referred someone yesterday to a homeopath so um, because I realised that we needed just that other level happening yep. alongside what we were doing. Especially now I'm on, you know, I'm so online and I'm not doing a number of the things that I would normally do. So it's like, well, I need these other, you know, I need to be able to share my clients and use these other modalities so that they get the best care. So, and by working with other practitioners, just like ATMS works with all of these modalities, by working with these other practitioners, your client gets a really great result. So one, it's really good. There's no one treatment that cures everything. You know, it's always about a team approach. Uh, completely a team approach. I'm totally into a team approach. Everybody there to sort everything out. You know, you might fix one thing and then something else rears its head. And so you need something else for that thing. There's rolling as we get older <laughs> as well. Yeah. And then there's the regular maintenance. <laughs> and then the regular maintenance. Well, that's right. We yeah. all need a bit of regular maintenance. So um, is there anything that you think I've missed? Is there anything we need to... I suppose that the only other thing I'd say is that one of the positions that ATMS has often been accused of is that we're anti-registration. Ah, and, yes, yes, um, the registration debate. Yes, oh, and, you know, I'm, always, I'm always keen to get into that. But what I would say is that uh, we do have a policy statement on our website if anyone's interested in actually reading it and getting the facts but basically our position is that you know if government is ever serious about it we will consult actively to protect our members because the Chinese medicine practitioners are actually trying to fight to get unregistered some of them because they've got all the costs of registration and mm-hmm. they are not part of the chronic disease management plan or DVA or NDI, you know, or any of the other. Yeah. They've got none of the benefits, but they've got all the costs at the moment. And yeah. that's not how we would want anything to work for our members going forward. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing is registration ultimately is about protecting the public where there's a real risk of harm. And personally, I find it really difficult to say that what we do, do could harm people. Mm-hmm. You know, And it's not just risk of harm in idiosyncratic reaction. It's a, you know, what you do in the normal course of events has the capacity to really damage people and you know look with mainstream drugs and operations sure it does it's just an unfortunate Mm. effect and you can't manage that but I think with well-trained practitioners it's Mm. I don't want to think that we're going to harm people. I think. Yeah, I don't. Harm. I don't want to think we're going to harm people either. I mean, in South Australia, the oh, what are the letters? H C S C C H S. All the letters. Yeah. Sorry. The Health Care Complaints Commission in New South. Thank you. Thank you. In South Australia, you know, we've done okay under that system. You know, it's the guy who is in charge, really logical, sensible. But I know in Victoria, they didn't fare quite so well. What would be nice if there was something across the whole country so that you all got South Australia's experience, which is a much better experience than a lot of other states are getting. I mean, it also means like, you know, Western Australia, they still haven't got Carver back. I mean, really? The rest of the country, they, they still can't get Carver. Just go to Fiji. No, no Fiji. <laughs> it's a bit far, actually, I think, from Perth to go to Fiji. Well, but... and, and possibly, you know, you can't fly there at the moment and the whole COVID thing, but, you know. The yeah, a few, few, you know, there's the sort of the body of Australia in the way as well. Yeah. So, you know, there's a really long flight. But we use, you know, we use Carver a lot in herbalism and there's so much research for it and they mm. still haven't got it. If we had something that actually went across the whole country, so we all got the same sorts of things, that would be nice. 
but well, that's not going to happen. Is, the Healthcare Complaints Commission was originally rolled out in New South Wales and then it's being rolled out to other states nationally. And it's just how our federal, our legislation yeah. works is state-based for yeah. this sort of thing. But it's sort of an in-between position. You've got the associations there for minor complaints and then the Healthcare Complaints Commission is there to protect the general public. Yeah. So we've got a bit of a mixed sort of situation mm. of there is some self-regulation, but there is an also an, a blanket layer of government regulation over our sector. Mm. I think it provides adequate protection. Yeah. The problem with APRA from what I've seen is that, and this has been the issue for chiropractors in particular and acupuncturists, is people can put in complaints who aren't actually clients. So yeah. there has been some abuse of that system. So oh, definitely, and, and, and that is incredibly yeah. distressing to someone to get yeah. to be targeted by that approach. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I think the healthcare complaints system works reasonably well and protects the public against more serious breaches. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, I mean, it's it looks to be a great system here in South Australia. But I mean, that's not to say that. I mean, I know Victoria. I've got much tougher legislation under the same situation, and that seems really why, absolutely why. You know. Well, so one um, different to the rest of the country, Geraldine. That's that's what we've learned through COVID. <laughs> oh God, love them. They've done so well. They have done it so well. I can't believe they did that for the rest of us because they did do that for the rest of us. They well, true. Stopped, and you know they've saved us. And they've done that. They've really suffered under the heavy hand. I'm just that... really worried about all the small businesses that didn't get to go back to work the same 100%. way that a lot of the big businesses oh, and just the impact it's going yeah. to have in the economy. Oh, yeah, um, and I really got to think about how to get people back to yeah. work, back into successful businesses. Because exactly. one of the things we've seen in New South Wales, and I'm sure it's the same where you are, is that regional tourism has done amazingly well. Oh, yeah, you can't book in to go anywhere because it's yeah. all full yeah, yeah. so, so we, yeah, need that, to, we need that for, New South, for victoria once they've got their contact tracing sorted <laughs> and they just need to get on the phone to jacinda she'll have it sorted in a minute <laughs> it's jacinda so <laughs> anyway it is time for us to go because it is the bite-sized podcast so we have to bite it down okay. and whole sandwich so um it's been lovely lovely talking to you christine and i'm sure i'll have you back on again in the new year to talk about something else thank Let's you so much for medicine week next oh talk about natural we can talk about natural medicine next week so when is that it's the last oh, week of may the last week of may so maybe we'll be back together the 31st in the, of may right well we will make sure i will make sure that i have a podcast with you coming out for that week so one um, it's been really great talking to you now thank you so much for coming on you're welcome thanks thanks so much for joining me today don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast for the weekly episodes if you'd like even more support and learning then the academy is for you here you'll find part two of the herbal discussions, more clinical learning and case studies to support your clients in practice. Bye for now.